Well, Jonah, you've heard several people talk to you about uh, why they believe you're fit for ministry. And I just want you to know that uh, you can drink in all of these wonderful words about you, but it's very unusual. By that, I mean most people only hear words like this about them when they're retiring or when they're dead. I just want you to know you're still alive. And these people, they really mean it about you. So this is a worship service that confirms your call to ministry, and it's these people around you who believe in you that God has set you apart. You have been in France now for more than half a decade, and these people have been behind you in their prayers and support from the very beginning. We say here at Bergen Park Church that we are anchored in the Bible, that the Bible provides God's worldview that informs all of life's questions and longings. So when we talk about your ordination, your setting apart for ministry, uh, we should be following Scripture. And when we follow Scripture and search the Scripture, we find that there's no such ceremony in all of Scripture. In fact, there's not even really such a word as ordination in Scripture. Now, God ordains things to be and they will be. That is part of his sovereign will. God sets apart certain people in the Old Testament to be his prophet or to be the king of his people. Uh, that is more not so much an ordination, but again, part of his sovereign will, his choice. Jesus chooses 12 people. And, and when he chooses his 12 disciples, it's not a big deal. It's more like a coach choosing members to be on his team. But now we're in the days of the church. From the time of Jesus' ascension until his return, he leaves the church to be led by the Holy Spirit. And over a long period of years, uh, his followers have worked at devising how uh, people should be set aside for ministry. And we've developed ceremonies and uh, 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 great traditions. And, and that's not bad. But I just want you to know that sometimes we go through the process and yet the person's not ready. When I was in Southern California, I came to know a man who had gone directly from his church with no theological training, and he was to plant churches in, in, in the area of Southern Mexico. And he was good at it as long as he was left alone. The results of his work proved that he had a gift for church planting. But he also lacked uh, the, uh, the experience of working on a team with others. And that meant that he could probably lead well, but he could follow poorly. A time came when he wanted to raise support from churches, but he didn't want to listen to the churches that wanted to support him. Another time came in which he was encouraged to seek ordination, but it meant going back to seminary and getting an education. It meant sitting down and doing what you've had to do in terms of getting your... Uh, your examination of your doctrinal paper, and it meant having people to stand up for him and say, this is the person that should be set aside for ministry, working with others in ministry. He had no such people to say that about him. But we can say that about you. Both you, Jonah, and Amy, we can easily say that about you. We can say easily that you are very gifted. We saw that in your years with us. But in those years with us, we also witness an acceptance of others, an openness to suggestions, and a hunger to be more effective. 
In a way, you remind me of Paul and Timothy. You were Timothy, and you had this little Bergen Park church be your Paul. In Paul's first letter to Timothy, he gives an encouraging command to him. Now, just let me read 1 Timothy uh, chapter 4, beginning at verse 12. Do not let anyone look down on your uh, on you because you are young. But set an example for the believers in speech and life and love and faith and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through a prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. The the setting here was that um, Timothy was probably one half the age of Paul. And yet he took Paul's place as pastor of the first church of Jesus Christ in Ephesus. Now the Christians there loved Paul. Many came to trust in Jesus through Paul's teaching and ministry. And Timothy was no Paul, but he found himself put in the same position as Paul. His youthfulness, his desire to please, his lack of experience in education meant he was not filling the shoes of Paul. And people were complaining. Uh, You and Amy are young, and yet you both have the intelligence and the love for Jesus that most long for. You don't have to worry about fitting into Paul's shoes because most of the contacts that you will make, they will be seeing you as Paul. Most of the people you will come across, you're the first person who speaks to them about Jesus Christ in French ever. So you're going to have an issue when it comes time for you to train someone up when they say, geez, she's not Amy. He's not Jonah. So it's a little different for you. Uh, People are going to want to be fitting into your shoes. And because... They may not know any other Christian. You will be the example. And so Paul gives this command, do not neglect the gift that was conferred onto uh, Timothy through a prophetic message. So Jonah, let's talk about gifts that I and others have seen in you. Not going in any special order, but first, I want to talk about the gift of hospitality in your home. Um, Uh you know, when you gather that group of people there for dinner on, on, on Sunday night for Bible study, but also for dinner, I just want you to know that as a student, I was far more, um, far more open to a free dinner than a Bible study. And I, I want you to know how important that is, the gift of hospitality that you, too, and your family uh, show. And, and understand that though you be the first to admit you know, don't take family lessons from us as we raise our four kids. I want you to know they have no other models. And how important it is that they get to sit in your house and watch you relate to your children and relate to one another. And I will have to say that the, the, the atmosphere of that home may be just as important, and this is humbling, may be more important than the scintillating Bible study you will put together. That is a gift that you two have. And you've had it as I remember since you first moved into that basement apartment out in Conifer. Um, you invited Barb and I over. We looked at that and said, yeah, that's how students live. Yeah, and you make us feel a little guilty about our home. Um, 
So that's the first thing. You have that gift of hospitality. You have an example of family life. I know that's humbling, but it's true. These are lonely foreigners uh, living in a secular society. They're looking for love. They come, and they may be curious, but not yet convinced. You are Paul. You're Paul. You also have a worship gift, and you use that with us, with your with your guitar and your voice, and, and, and you served on the worship team and, and led it at times. You also have an intellectual gift. Everybody knows about that, but... Uh, it's so needed in the minds of the French intelligentsia. Here, we don't need good minds, so stay there, okay? Uh, uh, and I want you to be praying about how God wants to use that. Remember that you have a gift that's given to few, and it can be used by God, especially for those who think, I don't, I don't trust in anything unless it's reasonable. And they don't understand that we often work more from the heart than from the mind, but that's what we claim to be. So you need to be a continual example that following Jesus is really the good life that they have not yet found. Now he goes on from there to share an example, or you might say a warning uh, to, to, uh, to, to uh, Paul to Timothy, when he says in the fifth chapter, do not be hasty in the laying on of hands and do not share in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. What this meant was when you uh, call an elder in your church and, and you lay on hands to confer that this is the ministry that they're called to, uh, done from the very first century, uh, really, uh, 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 first century of the church, he said, don't be too fast. Be very careful. In other words, they may show some things, but make sure they've had a long track record. We've known you for nine years. I think that's a command we've obeyed. If we're ordaining you now, nine years after getting to know you, it wasn't hasty, was it? No. Uh, but more than that, we've had a long time to observe you, and several of us have been able to observe you in your local setting. Uh, we've walked down the streets with you. We've not just been a tourist with you, but we've, sell, we've seen how you deal with your neighbors and how you, your role in your church. It's been a delight for me to do that, sometimes with Barb, but sometimes alone. Uh, we are not laying hands on you hastily. And so we're not guilty. We could have done it earlier, but you had to go through a process in which it would be very evident that God has equipped you for France. So let's talk about how you were equipped. You were equipped in your academic preparation. I also was a business major. It was a big shift to theology. Uh, they just don't teach you that in Accounting 101 and 102. They don't teach you that in marketing or finance. When you went uh, and decided to do philosophy of religion at Denver Seminary after getting your undergraduate degree, you went to seminary liking philosophy but unprepared. This was a note that was... I'm giving it, uh, as I remember it, Jonah telling me from the first paper that was returned to him from his mentor professor, Douglas, Dr. Douglas Grudhouse. He was saying, my first, uh, Jonah was saying to me, my first paper was returned to me and had a handwritten note on it on the top from Dr. Douglas Grudhouse, questioning if I had what it takes to get a master's degree in philosophy of religion. 
Many people, when they get that, say, oh, well, back to business. I just, you know, maybe this is, this is what God has told me, that maybe I shouldn't do that. They don't quite understand that um, a part of faithfulness is stubbornness. Jonah then went into giving more time to his studies, going deeper, and in the midst of that, they have a baby, then they have a second baby. Jonah says, well, I need to get a job. Amy can stay home, drop her job. That means she gets a Ph.D., putting hubby through degree. Okay, uh, But now she is raising children. So Jonah has a job, slows down a little bit, but continues to uh, go deeper and deeper into this course that he believes God is calling him to. So at the end of it all, there's another note written on his last paper. And he, re- he showed it to me, and I remember the conversation. It went something like this. My last paper was returned to me with another handwritten note from the same professor telling me I was one of the best students he had ever tutored. Then you wrote your doctrinal paper as part of your academic preparation. And then you defended it in front of a group of ministers and peers. And this is necessary to be ordained by the Evangelical Free Churches of America. Your paper was unique. You were the only one in the room with a philosophy of ministry degree. If you would have come to me, I would have said, having been through these exams four times out of five churches I'm in, just answer the question as best as you can and don't offer anything else. Jonah, you wrote a paper and you used... Remember the word modalism? Yeah. Well, that started things going and uh, realized that you were not dealing with philosophers. They had heard of the word modalism. I had to go back and look up the word modalism. But uh, it, it almost put off your ordination for a period of time. But you made the changes necessary. Uh, he told me later that he even called the top echelons of theologians and those uh, for the entire denomination and, and for those who have the final say to make sure that he, you know, his paper would be well-received and then your paper was accepted. You then then began a period of being licensed, and now officially you are ordained. Everyone knows you're smart enough to minister. I want to say you're wise enough, you're good enough, and you're caring enough, too. Your humility, as many have said, your reason, your reasoning ability, your love for Jesus and your dedication to him and, and to his gospel will only attract more people to him through you. And we look forward to seeing you again in about two years. I also think that in the years ahead, Jonah will be hearing about you from others. We expect that that is how God will use you. I believe that you'll be writing more books and articles. You'll be giving more lectures. You may get a doctorate in philosophy... And that will allow you, you know, when you got doctor in front of your name, everybody's supposed to listen, right? Um, that will even give you a greater hearing to speak to more students. May I encourage you to stay grounded, too. By that, I mean keep listening to Amy. You married up. As you invest in your children, there is an example there that no book no degree, no letters uh, can ever duplicate.
and then keep that home group going for as long as it'll go. Because there you find yourself relating to people. You ever heard this phrase? In their dirt places, right? You hear them in what real life is like, not the intellectual life. And you have to live with them and work with them and realize you have all the answers, but they're not asking the questions. They're looking for something else. You have the ability to do that. And I, I just want to encourage all of you as we now go into a time of prayer that our uh, <clears throat> leader of missions, Fred Dewey, will lead. Jonah, we are so excited about this for you. We even have a certificate sent. We were going to frame it, and then we realized it would be broken on the way home. So we'll sign it, and we'll give it to you. But uh, this is from your association of churches, but also from us and the leadership here. If you ever want to come back and spend a little more time than three Sundays, you are welcome to come. God bless. Fred? Yes, at this uh, time in the in the morning, we would like to pray, and we'd like to respond to the scriptures by laying hands on Jonah. So, I would ask Jonah to come forward, and in addition to Jonah, I would ask that anyone here who senses that they are in a supporting role for Jonah and Amy and the children to come forward as well and take part in this prayer. It's not a requirement. It's an invitation to you if you feel that you would like to be part of this. Closer. Surround him. Just surround him. He doesn't need to be seen. So I have the microphone if you can just... Perhaps signal to me if you wish to pray, uh, and I will pass the microphone to you, and when we are finished, uh, I will conclude. Dear God, I'm so humbled just to be standing here um, in your house with um every single person that's here today. Um, it's an honor to um, even know Jonah and his wife and his family, and I thank you for that privilege. Um, I just want to offer my prayers to him, and I want to thank you um, for his abilities and for his brain and for his talents and for his gifts, for his determination um, to go for his calling and to just follow through and do it. Um, I know it was difficult and continues to be challenging, but I also know that he enjoys the challenge. Um, I just ask you to continue to be with him as he continues his work there. Um, and um, just thank you again for um, the honor of being able to be associated with him and his wife and his life and um, his works. Thank you, Lord, for uh, giving us Jonah 
that he is uh, your faithful servant and part of our family. Uh, we just uh, call on you to follow him uh, everywhere, and we pray that he keep looking up to you. We uh, pray this through your Son, our Lord. Father, I want to pray that while Jonah and Amy and the family are there, that they may see your spirit fall again on France. That it is not something that's going to be neglected by your spirit. May it be hovering and and um, and, and really just coming with fire once again. The same fire that uh, raised up the Jesuits. The same fire that... Uh, uh, had the Huguenots uh, thrown out, the same fire that has happened in France before. May they be a part of watching a great response again. Father, I just uh, pray for um, their endurance. Um, I know in, in campus ministry we never get to see uh, the fruit that you ultimately bring because uh, those students are sent out long before we see them mature. But, Lord, I just thank you that uh, Jonah and Amy are in the, in the ministry of planting seeds and watering like crazy. And, Lord, we just uh, pray for fruit and pray that somehow, as time goes by, those people would report back and be able to share uh, the fruit that you're, you're uh, making uh, through their ministry. Father in heaven, I just pray that every day they would know the filling of the Spirit and the excitement of walking with you. I pray that they would not grow weary in well-doing, but that continually you would remind them they're there because of their love for you and because you have called them. And I pray that you would feed them and continually um, fill them up with yourself so that they have every reason to go out and minister to others. Father, I pray that you fuel Jonah and Amy's courage because there's got to be discouragement there from time to time. And yet, in your strength, you urge them to continue on to do, to do your will, to spread your word, to make you known. Father, as we have gathered together to pray and to lay hands on Jonah, we do so first with deep gratitude uh, in the ways that you have been leading him through, through so many people, 
for the foundation given to him through his family and friends and his church in his early years and with so many others involved along the way. And I pray that um, as he experiences times of deep need, that you would encourage him through your grace and your mercy and your peace. And that you would remind him so ever frequently to come to the throne of grace and know that it is there that he can find mercy and grace to help in his time of need. And so, with hands upon him, we affirm his calling and that of Amy. We affirm them and we seek to bless them through this time. And we ask for your blessing for them. Your blessing through the love and the grace and the truth of your Son, the Lord Jesus. And through the ever-presence of your Holy Spirit and the power of your Spirit, may he know and experience because of his acknowledgement and faith to you that what happens in this ministry is through your leading and the power of your spirit. And will he be blessed with the ever, uh, ever increasing knowledge of your overwhelming love for Jonah and for all of us? And so we now, with hands upon him, affirm this calling and his ministry. And we do so in the name of the Father, His Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. As you sit down and the worship team comes forward, let me just read from this team leader. Um, when Jonah and his family arrived to France two years after their uh, initial uh, short-term mission trip with people from Bergen Park Church, It didn't take long to observe that they could do very well in their newly adopted home for the sake of the gospel. Certain other call, they moved forward with the varied and oftentimes vigorous challenges of cross-cultural adaptation and ministry. Looking back on the expectations that we had for them, I can honestly say they far exceeded them all. We are also thankful that their long-term commitment to ministry in Lyon and to look forward to seeing them bear much fruit in the years to come. I'd like to take a moment to say a word about Jonah in particularly as you confirm him as an ordained minister of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. It has been a distinct honor to have him as a teammate and fellow worker. His intellectual abilities, spiritual maturity, and burden for the loss can only be described by one adjective, superior. Beyond that, he has proven himself a model of cultural adaptation and shown the utmost diligence in seeking to master the French language. Many of our French counterparts who have uh, who pride uh, their culture and language and are, who are sparing in their compliments have said of Jonah on his commi- have spoken of Jonah on his commitment and progress. Such diligence is incumbent on anyone that seeks to reach the French and Jonah has proven himself apt and able for the task. I am thankful 
uh, for God's evident grace in Jonah's regard. His example has been an encouragement not only to me personally, but also to our team as a whole. May the Lord continue to bless him, his family, our team, and his great and needy, on this great and needy city to the glory and honor of our mighty Savior. Also, Jonah, I just want to say it's wonderful to see that in your example here, I had to go to you and question you. Why do you preach with your shirt untucked? <laughs> and you said, well, that's the way we do it in my generation. As you come back, your shirt is tucked in, and you've had a deep and lasting effect upon my life. Let's stand, shall we? You'll get to greet them at the end. Let's, let's close and worship. Mm-hmm.